0: welcome to the teachings of pastor mike yost of the springs calvary chapel in hayburn idaho please join us as we study the word of god in our study this morning we are continuing through the gospel of luke we're in chapter four we had just finished in chapter 4, where Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit as He was baptized and the Holy Spirit lit on Him. His Father said from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then filled with the Holy Ghost, moved by the Spirit of God, He was compelled, He was driven, He was led into the wilderness for 40 days where He fasted and prayed and was tempted. By Satan, And we saw that, how that went, and how we learned how to fight our battles. How do we fight our battles, team? On our knees, On our knees right. We, we fight in prayer. We fight with the Word of God. It is written, and we see Jesus in spirit and in truth, battling the enemy of our souls and coming out victorious, every temptation Satan could ha- th- throw at him. And it ends in verse 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So we know he's coming back again, you know, and and if it it happens to Jesus, you can be pretty sure it's going to happen to us as well. And just that, you know, we are born again, children of God, walking in his spirit filled with the word of God, the love of God, the life of God, and going into the world, and a bearing testimony, you don't think it's going to be done without opposition, okay? And uh, and it's going to continue until that day in which we look into his eyes and see his face. And he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant. The measuring stick in heaven isn't what you accomplished, but how you lived. Do you live a life of faith? Do you live a life of of joy and expectation that that Jesus is coming to take us home. Amen. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Well, we're going to do that right here. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Notice how Luke continues to point out that Jesus is in the Spirit, in the Spirit, full of the Spirit anointed of God and it's so critical for us to recognize that if Jesus needs the spirit you can be sure I need it and you need it okay and it's something that we can't live this life without that what says he returned in power and spirit to Galilee which means he was in Galilee uh, prior to to the baptism and being driven into the wilderness. And there's a little bit of a a gap right here between verse 13 and 14. It's his first year of ministry. It's known as the Judean ministry. You can read about some of the details of that in John's gospel in chapters one, two, and three things where he calls his disciples, right? And the first miracle in Cana, changing water to wine, how he goes to Jerusalem and cleanses the temple of the money changers. He meets with Nicodemus at night and tells him, you must be born again. And there's a season of co-ministry with John the Baptist. And then we come to his baptism, his driven into the wilderness. And now here Luke will pick up at verse 14, his Galilean ministry, which is the bulk of, Of uh, what we're going to read about. Luke does more than any other gospel writer to bring to light things that happened in this phase of Jesus's ministry. Um, And so it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. I, I love this going out in the power of the Spirit, you know. And and as we need the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, uh, you might notice that we are we are we are earthen vessels. We are crack pots. We 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 leak, you know. And you need refilling. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians five eighteen that you must be being filled, being continually. Filled with the Holy Spirit, because God isn't filling you with the Holy Spirit just to make you all glorious. He's filling you that you can then fill others, that you would be a vessel, that you would be like a garden hose, right? And uh, you need to make sure that there's input and output. We need to be being filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. And and the way that that happens, Luke is going to tell us in chapter 11, but I'm going to jump there right now because it's pertains to what we're discussing in chapter 11 Luke writes of Jesus he says so I say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open if a son asks for bread from any father among you will he give him a stone the answer is no right or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent Instead of a fish, the answer, of course, is no. Or if he asks an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Of course not. Jesus then clarifies, if you then, being evil, compared to our Father in heaven, even in our own state, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him, ask, seek? Knock, let me ask you, have you been born of the Spirit? Have you received the infilling, the anointing, the presence of Jesus Christ, not only to cleanse you, but to empower you to witness? We read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, just before he went into heaven, told his disciples as they were gathered together, he says, and being assembled together in Acts 1, 4, With them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says, you shall receive power. The word power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite or dynamics, active power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We need the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus walked in the Holy Spirit, we, to be effective witnesses to the world, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus would say, let your good works so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When they see you as a Christian doing something in the name of the Lord, in joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness, and godliness and self-control, when they see manifestations of the Holy Spirit in you, they'll see the work, but they'll give God the glory because they know it's not you. They know it's not me, right? And this is what, how we walk in the Spirit. Having said that, I just want to stop and pray right now for every one of us that God would rest His anointing, His Holy Spirit upon you, upon your life, upon your family, upon your job, in all the things that you're dealing with right now. Anybody come in here with a a burden, a prayer request, a concern? We need to take it to Jesus. We need His Holy Spirit power. If you'll just bow your hearts with me. Lord Jesus, we ask, we seek, we knock, we need your Holy Spirit. You promised that it was good for us that you would go away, that you would send your helper, the Holy Spirit. And we recognize, Lord, in this world, we're going to have trials, we're going to have temptations, we're going to have battles. And, Lord, you've given us work to do. We cannot achieve that work in our own power. We need your dunamas, your dynamite. We need you, Holy Spirit. So we ask right now that in the name of Jesus Christ, you would fill us and overflow us that we might share that light that you've given us to a dark world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, often people talk to me about the Holy Spirit, and you can read about it, obviously. Uh, Ephesians 4, Romans 4, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12, lots of lists in the Bible about different types of manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which are clearly ongoing in the world, evident in the life of the church, and people are wondering, why do I have this gift, or I don't have that gift, or I want this gift, and you have to understand, it's God. Who decides what gifts you get that he knows what job you need to do and he equips you for the work that you need to do. But a lot of times people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, possibly because they've been to a place where they have experienced (sighs) insincere or unreal people just getting themselves worked up in a frenzy. And I I know I had that experience as a new believer. Um, I never went back to that church. It freaked me out, okay? Um, And yet on the other side of the stick, you ought to know, Calvary chapels are charismatic. We believe in the charisma. We believe in the anointing of the Spirit. We are Pentecostal. We believe in what God did on the day of Pentecost when He poured His Spirit upon the church that He would empower us that we could be His witnesses in this world until He comes. And we can't do it without. And so I just want to encourage you guys. Here at the springs, you know, part of our name, our namesake, springs. We're, we're fountains of living water. Jesus Christ will well up in us, right? And that we would be filled with His Holy Spirit. And so I just I would pray that as we see Jesus' example again, we will do likewise. Okay, so it says He uh, returned in the power of... Of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Don't want to skip over that word taught, okay? In their synagogues. Synagoge is the Greek, and it means basically an assembly or a gathering of those people called out. It was a term used in Greek culture, not just in Jesus' day, and not just amongst the Jews, but whenever they would have some kind of civic meeting down at the town square, they would call everybody together. They would assemble, synagogue, okay? So the Jews had taken this, as this is what they would do at the last day of the week, on the day of rest, as God had given it to us um, in creation, and then Moses gave it in the law for the children of Israel, they would assemble together on the last day of the week and come together for worship. And so Jesus would go to these uh, houses of worship and he would teach them. Now, we're going to talk in just a second here about preaching and teaching and the difference. Preaching is declaring Something that somebody maybe did not know, okay? It's like that watchman on the wall that's letting everybody know what's going on. Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Turn. (laughs) Christ is coming soon. That's preaching. Teaching is then explaining it, unpacking it, helping people understand what does that mean. And I would just kind of tease you a little bit as you read your Bible. And as you go through the Gospels and you look at Jesus' ministry, look at how many times he taught. Because teaching quite often is what we need more than anything. You need preaching, okay? Faith comes by and hearing by, okay? So you need to hear the Gospel. You need to hear the Word of God, okay? You might read it. You might read the Bible and hear the, read the Gospel, but more likely than not, somebody's going to preach it to you. And then you're going to need somebody now that you're born again and you need to be discipled, you need to grow, you need to mature in Christ. Now you need a teacher, okay? And this is why we put such strong emphasis on Sunday mornings in teaching the Word of God, okay? Um, You can read it at home. You don't need me. You can listen on the radio. But a lot of times we do this, and I do this. Here's a secret. I don't do this just because... I think it's really cool to teach the Bible, although I think it's really cool to teach the Bible. I do. I just love it. I mean, it's, God's called me to do that. But I do it in hopes that you will too. You will too like to teach the Bible. <gasps> how do I teach? I don't know how to teach. Well, just come and hang out on Sunday mornings. You'll see. If God can use a knucklehead like me to teach, He can use a knucklehead like you to teach. Okay? But unpack the word, right? This is what we do. And hopefully, in doing this, we will multiply, we will duplicate, we will infect our community and the world with Jesus. So, teaching is key, it's central. Verse 16 So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as he, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and then there's going to be a quote out of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. But before we get to that, just want to talk a little bit about how people would behave in synagogue and what this was all about. Typically, uh, they would come into a room, women would sit on one side or in the back, and men on one side or in the front, but segregated. And then the rabbi, or whoever the guest rabbi would be, would be given a scroll, okay, uh, of parchment, and you would unroll that scroll, and whatever was on the docket for that particular Sabbath reading, you would grab, in this case, they went to the scroll of Isaiah, and Jesus, as an itinerant rabbi, in town, in his hometown, back home, his fame is spread through Galilee, Wow, you're back, you're back in your hometown. Why don't you read today, Jesus? And Jesus would get up to read. It says he, stand, he would st- stand up, and we're going to see then, then he sits down. Sitting is the posture that all the rabbis would take when they began to teach, okay? So you would stand to preach and sit to teach. And so this is kind of developing right here. Just a little thing. Your Bible might say, and he took the book that was handed to him, of the prophet Isaiah. That word is literally Biblion, and it comes from a a city on the coast of Lebanon that in Jesus' day was where all the scrolls were made. Uh, Biblos, the name of the city, sat on a coast with a lot of uh, papyrus reeds uh, in the estuary, and they would harvest those reeds, and they were famous for making scrolls. A lot of the scrolls, the parchment scrolls came from Biblos in Lebanon. And so anytime you took a scroll, a lot of times it would just call it the Biblos. Anybody see where we're going with this? This is the word where we get Bible. That's what you have here, Uh, a a Biblos, okay? Uh, It's not papyrus anymore and it's not a scroll, okay? It was later uh, made into what they call a codex, which are a whole bunch of leaves sewn together into what we have as book form, okay? But nevertheless, he's going to pick up this scroll, and he's going to begin reading from the scroll in the prophet Isaiah. And it says, and when he had opened the scroll, okay, Biblion, he found the place where it was written, and now he rolls in the scroll, okay? He rolls in the scroll, and if you know Isaiah, um, it's at the very end. Okay, 66 chapters in Isaiah, so he's down to chapter 61. He found the place where it is written, and this is a quote out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the scroll... And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. All right. Okay. They've heard the word. Now it's time to dig in and have it expounded, have it explained to them. And so all eyes are on him. Interesting how he he picks this passage and how he reads from it. But first of all, I just want to kind of state, if we'll back out of the moment for just a second here, It's Jesus, Luke is recording for us. He's been baptized. Uh, The Father has given testimony. The Holy Spirit has given testimony. He's gone to battle. He's defeated uh, Satan. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes back into the region of Galilee. He's going from synagogue to synagogue, teaching on the Sabbath. He's in his hometown now. And in his hometown, he gets up, he takes and he finds in the scroll of Isaiah this passage. This passage I've often, I've got it written on the sidelines of my Bible. This is Messiah's mission statement. This is what Messiah was commissioned by God the Father to do way back in the book of Isaiah. Uh, In Isaiah 61, you might want to flip there because I'm going to point something out to you in a minute here. But it says in verse 61, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor." He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, hold your finger there if you've already turned there. So this is this is his commission. Notice it begins in the spirit Anything that Jesus did, anything that I do, anything that we as a body of believers do that would bring glory to God, that they might look upon it and and magnify Him, it's going to have to begin in the Spirit, okay? And there in Isaiah, speaking of Messiah, the suffering servant who would come to rescue Israel from their oppression, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. That word for anointed comes from the word for chrism, or the anointing, and it's the Greek word Christos, by which we get the word Christ. So here, back in Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus is reading it, this morning in the synagogue at Nazareth, Isaiah had predicted that he would be the anointed one, the one called Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, the the equivalent word, the Hebrew equivalent of the Greek Christos is the word Mashiach, from which we get Messiah. So, every time you read your Bible and it's talking about Messiah or it's talking about Christ, same person, just different language, okay, in that reference. But it has to do with the anointing, the Spirit of God coming upon Christ him okay now in the greek there's three different prepositions that are used when discussing the holy spirit para and and epi para p a r a talks about the holy spirit coming alongside that's what para means alongside and the holy spirit comes alongside believers and non-believers, okay? He's your escort, okay? He's your guide. He's moving alongside you in life, bringing you to the Lord. Then there's N, E-N, which means inside, okay? And so the Holy Spirit moves from being alongside to inside you. We would call that the born again experience, okay? Being born of The Father, being born from above, okay? And then the other one, and this is the one that's used right here where it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is epi. And epi means to be overwhelming or covering you. And so the picture is the Holy Spirit comes alongside you, it comes into you, and then it comes upon you. It overflows you. Just as Jesus told the disciples they need to wait They need to tarry in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, that you may be endued with power to be my witnesses. You're going to have to have the Holy Spirit not just in your life, you know, and a lot of people, you get born again and you do receive the Holy Ghost, you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit coming into your heart and into your life and changing you from the inside out. But that manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the outside, a lot of us kind of have kinks in our hoses. We read in the uh, book of Acts in chapter 17, Paul is going to Ephesus and he meets these people that Apollos had been ministering to. And as he arrives, he says, do you know the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. They, and he said, well, what were you baptized into? He says, well, we're b- baptized in the baptism of John. And like, Okay, so you now, you repented, you believe, you're walking that straight and narrow path, you know, you're doing good, but you're doing it without gas in your tank, okay? Without the Holy Spirit. And so he, he teaches them about the Holy Spirit, lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Epi, it begins flowing out of their lives, and they're baptized, okay? So this is something that, it's a work that goes on in people's life. Well, Jesus was preordained from the foundation of the world that he would be messiah he would be christ he would be anointed and so he picks this scroll up in his hometown in his hometown crowd how many of you uh have ever i don't know most of you a lot of probably come from around here but you ever been from a different place and you go back home maybe you go back to a school reunion or you go back to some place and, and people look at you and, you know, they can't figure out what's happened to you, especially if you start sharing Jesus with them, right? And, uh, and so here's Jesus, and it's kind of a, 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 a we're going to see an awkward minute here, and Jesus knows what's coming, but he, he takes the first shot across the bow, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, he says, in front of everybody. He says, because he has anointed me, everybody down at the Jordan River saw it and heard it that day, okay? Uh, Satan couldn't thwart him, and everywhere Jesus is going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be evident that he is uh, the Christ, the anointed one. Um, And so he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, that's what Jesus said you're going to need that power to be my witnesses to Judea, Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. To the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're going to they're going to go to he- they're going to go receive God because they aren't so proud and arrogant and boastful they think they got it all. They're 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 humble enough to recognize, man, I need a savior. I need help. I need I, I need Jesus, the good news, right? He's, appointed, he's anointed me to uh, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal or bind up the brokenhearted and uh, to proclaim liberty or to loosen the captives, those who are bound, okay? And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or crushed, or bruised okay so this is isaiah's prophecy of messiah's ministry now messiah standing in the synagogue in nazareth that saturday morning with the crowd looking on is hearing him preach this and no doubt they're loving it right you have a bible you have a device with a bible on your device you probably have more than one bible i'll I'll bet there's in each home around here three or four bibles if you go to my office, there's a boatload of Bibles, right? And and you're we're so blessed. But in their day, nobody had a Bible. You wanted to hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by you're going to have to go hear it. So they would come. They would come and hear the Word of God preached and taught. And so they're so excited to be able to to receive this. Um, and yet. Kind of interesting, it says in verse 19, it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And there's other passages in Isaiah 49, Isaiah 58 that talk about this acceptable year, this year of Jubilee. In fact, some people have done the math, and if you were to do a Jubilee year, which comes at the end of every 49, uh, a Shemitah is a group of seven years, and seven sevens makes 49 years. God gave a law uh, back in the um, book of Leviticus in chapter 25 of the Jubilee. And the Jubilee would be the time when all debts are forgiven and all slaves are released. So even if you had like a home mortgage or you're buying property or something like that, At the end of 50 years, it would all revert back to the original family, to ownership in that family. And it's God's way of keeping everything equal so somebody didn't amass all the wealth and people were perpetually in bondage. Every generation, it would regenerate, okay? This is a year of jubilee. It's a year of rejoicing. And uh, Jesus says, I'm here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But as I asked you, have you kept your finger in Isaiah chapter 61, look at where we're at here. It says in verse 2 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is that the end of the verse in your Bible? No. In fact, there's a comma, isn't there? And it goes on. And the day of vengeance of our God, okay, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Interesting, that morning in the synagogue, Jesus had the scroll in front of him. He would know what the full context was. He stopped and said, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, the l- year of release, when the prisoners are set free and debts are settled. And uh, he says, That's why I'm here. That's my mission statement. I'm here to heal, to bind up, to set loose. I'm here to proclaim Jubilee to everybody. This was Jesus's first advent, okay? The first time. He was manifest 2,000 years ago. He was in the incarnation. He was born, right, and has this ministry. But it's not his last. Jesus is coming again. And that's where the comma comes in. This comma, which he didn't read, begins prophesying future to the time of the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble such as never has been nor ever shall be again, when all the world will be shaken to get Israel's attention. Because Messiah is going to come back and he's going to judge a Christ-rejecting world. But those who would receive him will be welcomed into the millennial kingdom. But for those that aren't, it's a time of vengeance okay and so he doesn't he doesn't quote that it's like a that that little comma is like a two thousand year hiccup in in the in the in the verse if you will at least according to the way that jesus okay and so i i stand on pretty good authority saying these things because jesus did it right this is this is how he handled the scripture this is how he preached and taught the word okay he knew the word, clearly, intimately, he was the word, made flesh, okay? Um, and yet, he, he stops right there, his ministry that morning in Nazareth, in his hometown, in the synagogue, was to preach jubilee, preach Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He can do for you what he did for me, right? And we come and we raise up a hallelujah, amen, amen, amen right? And so, Jesus is doing this, but it's clearly not going to be the end of the story. Luke will kind of open that up a little bit more as we get into the gospel. Verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Okay, what's he going to say? Man, we've heard about this guy. Man, he is a powerful preacher. Wow, such eloquent words, such authority, such gravity. Wow. Wonder what's gonna happen next, right? They had heard, remember, this is in the second year of his gal- of his three-year ministry. They've already heard that over in Cana, remember that thing where they ran out of wine? He turned the water to wine. And we go on through the gospel accounts that of things he did in Judea. He turned over the money-changers table. Did you hear that in the temple? in the temple, in Jerusalem. He walked in and just kicked them all out. Wow. And he's here this morning. I wonder what's going to happen next, right? This is the crowd, right? This is, okay. So uh, he says, as he sits down, now he's going to explain what he just read. And he began to say to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let me get this right. If I understand, he just said that he's anointed. I think he just claimed the Spirit of God rested upon him. I think he just applied... The text in Isaiah, which we all know, speaks of Messiah, of our deliverer, our Redeemer. He's he's saying, "It's him." He's 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 kind of hard for them to swallow, right? Um, it's fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marvelled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. All bore witness. They all saw it. Nobody could deny it. Yep, he sure said it. Okay? (laughs) Let the cat out of the bag. You know, oh, he's the Messiah. We all heard it. And they bore witness to his gracious words, or words of grace, which came from his mouth. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to bind you. I'm here to loosen you i'm here to declare jubilee we heard those gracious words interesting in the second half of verse 22 and they said is this not joseph's son mark's gospel tells us that some were offended by him okay they really didn't like the way he handled the scripture, this rabbi who doesn't really even have any kind of degree. What seminary did you go to? What what school did you study in? Right? And and, and it goes on to say, aren't you? <laughs> aren't you Joseph the carpenter's son? Right? Um, they bore witness to him and marveled at the words that... Proceed out of his mouth and he said, is this not Joseph's son? We know this guy. Okay, he, he, It's not been that long since he lived here. Yeah, he made my dining room table. Oh yeah, he repaired our front door. Yeah, the carpenter's guy. Yeah, I know Jesus. You know, he's just like Jesus the plumber but today he's the preacher. And wow, these are wonderful gracious words but he's taking this business of being Messiah to himself. And some were offended. In his response, verse 23, he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. It's a a well-known proverb of his day, of his generation. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. So this is what Jesus is saying. They're going to say to me, you're going to say this to me. Physician, heal yourself, right? It'd be kind of like, mechanic, fix your car. Or, um, you know, that kind of a statement. And and they're going to say this to Jesus. They're going to say it to Jesus on the cross. If you really are the Son of God, come down off that cross, right? Not knowing that is exactly where he needed to be. And that had he come down off that cross, they would die in their sins. He was doing exactly what the doctor ordered, okay? But he says, you're going to say this proverb to me, and you're also going to say, whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Now, they're not that far away. It's a day's journey. I mean, walking, it's a day's journey to get there. Um, So it's not like, well, you go over there, but Capernaum was the place. We would note back in uh, Mark's gospel, it explains in his ministry, it says in verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, uh, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and this is Isaiah chapter 9, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness, have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. It says from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, and so Jesus has been now living in Capernaum, but he's back in his hometown for the weekend. He preaches and they say, he's going to say, you're going to ask me to do the stuff that I do down there, right? We're going to get into those if I not probably today, we will get into those miracles that Jesus did everywhere. But he recognized that they had hard hearts that they wouldn't believe. In fact, the day day is going to come in Luke's gospel where Jesus is going to curse even Capernaum. Say, if the miracles that had been done in Tyre and Sidon in gentile land not even israel were done you would receive me but because you don't believe there will be no miracles or no you're going to be destroyed You're going to be wiped out so here he's going to say that and and it's interesting because of their unbelief there's only one miracle recorded in the bible that happened in nazareth anybody know which one it was his conception Right. When the angel came and said, you will have a child, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will be he will be the son of the most high. You shall call his name Jesus. That was a miraculous conception that happened in Nazareth. But that was it because of their unbelief. And so Jesus is dealing with this this attitude um, because and he said, verse 24, he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country that's quoted out of um jeremiah eleven twenty one. 21 but it's the same experience you've probably had right you're you're walking along in life and you you're raised up with your buddies that you run with and um along the way you move out of town and you meet jesus and everything's different you come back and all of a sudden you're a christian you're born again you're heaven bound you're not perfect you're still a sinner, saved by grace. You're still uh, on your on your pilgrimage to heaven, but nevertheless, they'll look at you and go, "Well, who are you? You know, who are you to preach Jesus to me?" Anybody ever hear that? Right? And and often it comes from those people that you grew up with. Uh, it happens to me all the time. Okay, and and people and I I don't not get in my past, but there's people that know me. There's a couple in the back room and you're going to keep it quiet. <laughs> but uh, a prophet, uh, it, I'm sorry, assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. He's, he's, without, he's with honor everywhere except when he comes home. And that's what's happening to Jesus. No honor, no respect. This is Messiah. You know, they're talking about, wow, he overturned the money changers table or he turned water to wine. I wonder what he's going to do to us today. And what did he do? He just declared to his hometown, I'm Messiah. I'm deliverer. I'm redeemer. I'm the one the scriptures are all about. It's me. I'm here. And you are the first to find out. You're the first ones I'm telling the whole world. I'm starting my ministry right back here where I started. And you get to be the first to hear it. How exciting. Not. Not that morning it wasn't. And so... Prophet is accepted in his own country. Verse 25. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now, what he's doing, he's building a case for his ministry. Anybody? What was his ministry? What is his mission going to entail? Preach the gospel to the poor. Okay, get ready. I'm going to get ready to do this. Okay, you guys, I want to tell you first because I'm going to be doing these things. You need to know what I'm going to be doing. You'll be able to see it's me. You'll be able to see I'm the Messiah just as Isaiah prophesied because I will do what Isaiah said I will do in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm giving you this ahead of time so you can watch my ministry and you'll know I'm genuine. I'm the real deal. And so he knows they're not going to receive that. So he starts taking accounts from the Old Testament. This first one is found in 1 Kings 17 with Elijah and how Elijah prayed. The heavens were shut up. It was a drought. It was a famine and and nobody could feed or eat. Um, But Elijah was sent to only one person in the midst of that, that trial and, and, and all of that. And it says, it was to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Okay? Here I am, Messiah. I'm come to heal, bind up, loose. I'm going to declare the gospel to the poor. and uh, But you're not going to receive me. But I... I'm going to be going in the power of Elijah. Look at what Elijah did in this story. And it's going to it's gonna set up the reaction of the crowd in just a second here. Jesus tells them a story out of 1 Kings 17. Did I say 17? Yeah, 1 Kings 17. And um, in this, the one person who receives a visit from Elijah the prophet is a, now get ready because we're going to, describe this wretched person and all the negative things you could say about them she's a woman that's not really saying much okay i'm trying to go back to nazareth i'm not talking to you this morning y'all are great okay (laughs) boys and girls but back in those days okay so the prophet came to the king the priest? A woman. And not just that. It says she's from Zarephath in the region of Sidon. A widow. <laughs> not only she's a woman, but she's a widow. One strike, two strikes, three strikes. And she's from Sidon. Sidon is a outside of the nation of Israel, along the seacoast. She's a foreigner. She's not even a Jew. Elijah, Jesus is using as an example of a visit from a prophet. Elijah went to a woman, a widow, and a foreigner? That's the only ones that got the visit? He goes on and adds another one, if that's not enough. He says, and many lepers... (laughs) Not a really good crowd to be bringing to your defense. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Naaman, the king's servant who went down and was baptized in the Jordan River and was healed. But in Elijah's day, there was lepers everywhere. Which one got healed? A foreigner. Okay? And it says, and and, and in hearing these, this is Jesus', this is Jesus's teaching, his explanation, okay? He unpacks the scriptures to help them understand what they just heard. Messiah prophesied here today. You're not gonna listen. Let me show you, it's not the first time. <laughs> Happened to Elijah happened to Israel because of their unbelief. It says, so all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. Wrath. Shaking, gnashing teeth, tearing their clothes, throwing dust on their heads. They're going into a rage. Just because he told a couple stories out of the Old Testament? He did what would never have been done in synagogue on the Sabbath in his day. He used the G word. It's the Hebrew word, goyim. Goyim. Okay, you're the crowd in Nazareth for a moment. I'll I'll stand where Jesus is and I'm teaching, okay? And I... Say goim, You guys shriek with terror and rage at me. Ready? One, two, three. Goyim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot more emotional than that. Goyim, your Bible, not in this passage, but as you read in your Bible in the New Testament, The Hebrew word goyim is translated Gentiles. Anybody that wasn't Jewish, anybody that wasn't a son of Israel, anybody that wasn't the chosen people, there was Jews and all the goyim. And that was a dirty word. And Jesus used these references of these goyim in church. And they just rioted okay small moment here worship team you're gonna have to come on up because I got to finish but I just I can't let the moment go without saying there may come a Sunday I say something boneheaded from the pulpit and you don't like what I say it's not might it's when because I will okay and we As a non-denominational gathering of believers come from all variety of backgrounds in our theology and our upbringing, the doctrines, and as we come together and we use the Bible as the litmus test to truth and error, um, and I do my best to endeavor to unpack it honestly and faithfully as to what it says, um, I'm I'm a man, and I'll say stupid things, words just might come out of my mouth occasionally, like goyim, okay? Please don't be like the people in Nazareth, okay? Look what happens. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. That's it, basically tarred and feathered on a rail. Of course, that came later. They had a different way of dealing with it. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Basically to be dashed on the rocks below. Can you believe this blasphemer? Did you see how he took the Holy Scriptures and defiled them right in our own hearing? You heard it, you heard it, you heard him. And he was not only defiling the Scriptures, he was telling us, we're these people that aren't even going to receive Messiah. There's not going to be any miracles, there's nothing coming our way. I mean, how would you like it if I got up some Sunday morning and said, good morning, everybody. Uh, God's put a word on my heart. Need to let you know. Um, The Springs Calvary Chapel has been excommunicated. There will be no more Holy Spirit, no more miracles, no more blessings. Uh, Y'all are just toast. Sorry. That would be a hard message. And this is what they're feeling right now. I can't believe he said that to me. And so they're going to throw him off the cliff, Okay. Because of his blasphemy of the word of God and the way that he's disrespected the pulpit. Okay. It says that they may throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. It says in verse 31, he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. Hmm. Coming to church can be exciting. You never know what's going to happen. Right? What happened to church this morning? Well, Pastor said a stupid thing, so um, we just threw him off the roof, right? (laughs) Wow, I'd like to come to your church. A lot more exciting than one I go to. (laughs) In all of this, I pray that as we look at Jesus, uh, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He is led by the Holy Spirit. He is empowered with the Holy Spirit. He is anointed. He's here to bring a message of joy and hope and salvation, the gospel, the good news. And yet at the same time, we recognize that we're reading what happened 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is coming again. Okay? The day of the vengeance of the Lord is coming. And so you may hear me occasionally from the pulpit speak of events that we're living in the days. Things that are going on in the news. Things that are happening in the Bible that as we see them come to pass before our very eyes. And as for some people, sometimes that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Frankly, it's really uncomfortable when you read the news and you see what's happened to our society. As culture just is swirling around, you know, the toilet bowl, it looks like. That can be hard to receive. And yet at the end of the day, know this, that when Jesus comes, he's coming to redeem. He'll judge those who rejected him. The good news is a blessing to the poor, the brokenhearted, the downcast, the prison, the captives. But it is bad news to the proud, the arrogant, the self-assured, the boastful. Occasionally, I go to the word, it steps on my toes. And it happens to be a Sunday morning where I preach the word that steps on my toes. I'm going to share. But I pray that as a body, we brace ourselves for the days that we're heading into. That we would be filled with his Holy Spirit. That we would be declaring jubilee to the world. That we would be bringing people to Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We would be doing those things because we know the days are short the hour is soon he's on the door he's knocking and i know that here at the springs we've opened the door and we see evidence of him amongst us Um, but let's not take that for granted just because yeah he's the carpenter's son oh yeah i read about him in sunday school oh yeah you know jesus i i hope that as we engage in his word in his Spirit in prayer, in the body of Christ and recognize the living God amongst us that we would never take this for granted because what we have right here is so awesome. It's so beautiful. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are everything that you claim to be and more. Lord, the answers to prayers that we see in our life, the needs that we have in our life, the promises that you've given us, the hope. We pray right now that you would just uh, rest upon us, that Lord, we would rest on you. And having been filled with your Holy Spirit, we would go into all the world and preach Jesus. Thank you in advance for hearing and answering our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hayburn, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.